It is often stated that of all the theories proposed in this century, the silliest is quantum theory. In reality, in this universe, the silliest thing is a podcast hosted by Kavi and Benjamin. So if you think quantum theory is silly, just listen to the show and you will see what silly really is. Oh! Ah! Hello! Happy! Sorry, did I interrupt you hanging a new calendar? <laughs> yes, you may indeed have. I was just hanging my new digital calendar. And happy new year to you, my friend. Happy new year, everybody. Happy 2024. How about that 2023, huh? 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 Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? I, I was not expecting the New Year's Eve that, that we had. I mean, what happened on the 31st of December was crazy. It was insane wild i i think actually i think it was illegal illegal it but be. uh yeah i won't say anything you ain't saying anything because no. oh. that place we went to when the clock changed was wild crazy crazy you know what i i think that one of the what? uh uh you know insane responsibilities that i have as an australian is that um, I'm always responsible for telling people how the new year is. Um, folks who live in different countries, you know, I have friends. Oh my gosh, I bet you get that. Yeah, all the time. Friends, friends in the UK and friends in the US. They're messaging me. They're like, "Dude, like, what, what, what's 2024 like?" And I'm trying to tell them it's it's really, really not much better. Nobody ever asks you, quick, 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 what's November 13th like? Or hurry, 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 what's July 4th like? Nope. Just just that one day. That one day they want to know ahead of time because we Australians are living in the future. And, and what do they hope to achieve if they ask you what's 2024 is like and you tell them it's bad? Are they going to be able to say, oh, snap, I heard from someone in Australia, 24 is bad. Stop the clocks. I think it's, uh, I think they just must be like really big fans of, of Back to the Future. And they, they think that like if they get insider information, they can make money betting on sports games or, or stock trading or something like that. That's the only reasonable explanation. That sounds awesome. <laughs> oh, man. But that. That is actually uh, an important conspiracy that I have to remind the listeners. Uh, I am in Australia, and Australia exists. It is a real place on the other side of the globe. The what? The globe. The big spheroid-shaped thing that is our planet, Earth. Terra. Just when you think you know somebody, turns out he's a round Earth. I know, I know. Goodbye! I know. We have members all around the globe. <sighs> <laughs> On all corners of the globe. <laughs> uh, but yes, folks, you are listening to uh, Science Actually Presents the Nerd and the Scientist with your co-hosts, Benjamin and Covey. And today, what are we talking about, Benjamin? Well, we are starting off this season with where we left off 
last season with the two-parter about conspiracy theories. Dun dun dun. That's an ominous sound. Thank you. Which is perfect for Doomsday Asteroids. Oh no. There is a Doomsday Asteroid and it's on its way to kill us all. Really? Right now. Yes. Um, oh, yes, go no, on. I, like, it, it's on its way to kill us right now, but I have, I have dinner plans. What, what am I going to do? Make it an early dinner, buddy. <laughs> I feel like that's the sort of thing and like you'd see in, in a trailer for a really bad, like, um, you know, C grade sci-fi thriller. It's like, an asteroid is heading for the earth and it cuts to like a, you know, a screaming person in distress, like yelling at the protagonist. Oh my God, what are we going to do? It's about to hit us. And the protagonist says, I guess we'll have an early dinner. And puts on his sunglasses. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, I would watch that. I'd watch it. I absolutely would. I love those really, really, really bad movies because sometimes when there's a scale of good movie to bad movie, but some movies can be so incredibly bad, they kind of flip over on its side and become Mm. good again just because they're a mockery of everything. Yeah, yeah, I've had that before. But anyway, there's a Doomsday Asteroid on its way to kill us. (laughs) Uh, This is a popular theory that comes up all the time whenever an astronomy magazine or news article or some periodical uh, announces the discovery of a new asteroid that's heading towards the inner solar system. Um, They have a name for these. They're called NEOs or near earth objects and they come close to earth and so I simply saying they come close to earth, people lose their minds, but we're talking about, uh, you, units of measure of like hundreds of thousands of miles or a million miles away. They're not going to hit us. Um, the most popular one is the one that a lot of people have heard is Apophis. It is a very large asteroid that if it did hit us, it would be the end of everything. Wouldn't be fun. Uh, just like that Bruce, just like that Bruce Willis movie. And um, the one I was quoting before, it was predicted to hit us already and it passed by and didn't touch us. It was then predicted to hit us in 2029. And now we've done the calculations after very careful observation. It's not going to hit us. And then people said, okay, well, then it's going to hit us in 2036. And again, correct. It is going to get close to us. And by close, again, I mean millions of miles away. But after careful observation, Mm -hmm. we calculated that it will not hit us. Not to say that that no asteroid ever will hit us. The universe is a very big place with a lot of things and odds and ends and knickknacks flying about. Mm Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, something's going to hit us. Sure. But as far as we know, no. I mean, this is why it's it's really important to have, um, 
you know, NASA JPL and, and other astronomical groups uh, tracking the NEO, the near Earth objects. Um, because frankly, I mean, these objects that are big enough to cause damage are big enough to be tracked. Um, and so what we're able to do is to actually see, you know, to, to you know, fund these organizations and to see what is, uh, you know, potentially a risk and to monitor them and to be able to see, as Benjamin said, that they are, you know, generally flying nearby Earth but at distances that are comparable to the distance of the moon. Their distances are normally, you know, compared to lunar distances. So they're quite far away and not, you know, actually imperiling us at all. But uh, yeah, these the smaller ones, you might be wondering, oh, what about the small ones? What about them that we can't track? Well, those ones we don't have to worry about um, because generally speaking, they will burn up in the atmosphere. Um, but yeah, so nothing to worry about here about a doomsday asteroid coming to get us. If there was anything like that, we would probably know. That answers that question. That answers that beautifully. All right. Next one. <clears throat> there are canals, water canals on Mars. Water canals on Mars. This is a very popular, it was, excuse me, a very popular theory uh, that came about and was published and spoken about at great length by Percival Lowell, who studied Mars at great length in the 1800s and early 1900s. Hmm. Um, he observed uh, Mars for a great long while. And just as we discussed in our previous episode, people seeing things that aren't there. Um, when you stare at something for very very, very, very long, over and over and over, like with great repetition, you, your mind starts to put things there that aren't there. Right. You start recognizing patterns and trying to understand what they are. And so he saw a very great many dark parallel lines crisscrossing the surface of Mars, going to and from the poles, going across the equator. And he believed that those parallel lines, because Parallel lines of that size don't appear in nature, so they had to have been man-made. And what could be man-made going to the poles? Why? Canals to bring water mm -hmm. from the poles. And why were those canals being brought to the poles? Well, of course, to bring water to the people closer to the equator. What people? You mean the aliens that live there? And it just kept going and going. <laughs> <laughs> and so his theory was, I see these blurry things. So reality was rather, I see blurry things and his interpretation was blurry things must mean architecture on the level we've never seen by an advanced alien species. Okay. It, this goes back to what we were discussing at the end of part one, uh, way back in, in season one, um, where if there's a, a boring and, and reasonable explanation of something that's probably going to be the correct explanation and 
you know, stretching the imagination to find all of these wacky ways to describe something that could just be put down to a misinterpretation or poor data quality um, with, you know, it must be this more exotic thing. Well, that doesn't make sense. How do you explain that? And you have to explain that with something that's even more exotic and fanciful. And it's kind of like, you know, the, the cover-up is, is worse than the crime. It's like you have to come up with even more fantastic things to back up the claim that you're trying to make and the claim itself would maybe kind of make sense in some situations. But yeah, that's a, it's, it's a no for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a huge no. Um, especially, especially since <laughs> that after these claims are made, we've actually landed... A great many <laughs> rovers and landers and one helicopter. Hmm. <laughs> I have not seen a single canal. Wah, um, wah. Yes. Wah, wah, wah. Actually went there and didn't see it. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, man. Mm. One more? Let's do one more. And then I think we have an ad break coming up after that. Let's do a qu- Let's see if we can do a quick one. Okay. Um, some conspiracy theorists believe that there really isn't an edge to space and that there's air in space. And we know this because we have sent balloons into space. It's like, I, I, I feel like the people who believe this should just test it for themselves. That they are welcome to to go up there outside the atmosphere that you know outside of where the air is and just 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 go go for it go for a space walk out there and and let us know how it feels to breathe up there i mean we've spoken about the density of stuff in space that space isn't a total vacuum but it's pretty close to a vacuum it's it's got you know a couple of particles per every cubic centimeter there's not a lot happening there. There's no, I mean, space would look totally different as well if there was stuff everywhere. Like the whole idea with astronomy of, of figuring out the chemical composition of, of something is we can see how the light changes when it's traveling through some stuff. But the light that's traveling through space, let's say from the sun, is traveling through nothing. And so we see it as light that's traveling through nothing, whereas the light that's traveling through the air here on Earth looks different measurably different so yeah <laughs> so that's a big no. big old no big old no big old no big old no ah <laughs> uh, right well that's that one you know what i think i'm ready for an ag question hey today I'm going to tell you about this new thing that I'm drinking. You'll love it. Get ready to tantalize your taste buds with the extraordinary. Introducing Stella Sip, the beverage that defies gravity and takes your palate on an interstellar adventure. Crafted from the rarest cosmic ingredients, Stella Sip is more than just a drink. It's a cosmic odyssey, a dance of flavors that'll have your taste buds doing the moonwalk. 
Each bottle is a celebration of the universe's finest, harvested under the mesmerizing lights of distant galaxies. Stellar Sip is a taste sensation like no other. It's like a supernova explosion in my mouth. Truly out of this world. Elevate your refreshment experience with Stellar Sip, where every sip is a journey to the stars. Oh, it's golden. <laughs> I got to know what those rare elements ingredients are. That's fantastic. Air. It sounds like the complete opposite of what Futurama's slur is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would like to pour myself a glass of Stellar Sip. That sounds delicious. <laughs> Maybe the yeah. universe is just all Stellar Sip and the ice is just mm. cooling it. Cool. Yeah, we'll, the ice. we'll throw it back to our last episode. The ice from the Welteslayer. 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 God damn it, it's fun to say. It's great. Ah. <sighs> Hey, Cuffs. Yeah, Benjamin. Are you familiar with the Tunguska event? The Tunguska event. That sounds familiar. Remind me. Sure. In the early 1900s, there was a giant explosion in Tunguska, which is out in Siberia, Mm -hmm. in, I think, someplace called Russia. It was this huge, huge, huge explosion. And it was so bright, you could read from the light of it in London. It was huge. And there's a massive, there was no crater, but all the trees were flattened out in a radial way from the center. And people believed that this huge explosion, this destruction of the forest, this fire, this light, was all caused by a crashed alien spacecraft. Hmm. Yeah. And did they find said alien spacecraft? No. (laughs) Nothing. They have, they dredged up the entire forest um, with one, uh, 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 I can't think of the word. With one, <laughs> one excursion, one excursion after another, went there looking for uh, anything, little bits of alien wreckage, anything at all, in that area where there was no city, where there was no road, where there was no advanced civilization of our own. Okay. So if they would have found something, it would have been from above. <gasps> but no, they found nothing. In fact. They found itty-bitty pieces of an asteroid, a meteor, that struck. And it, there was no crater because the uh, meteor was so fragmented that it exploded in the sky before it ever made landfall. Hence, no crater, but all the lovely explosion. But no alien bits, not a single window or thruster, an alien part, not a book, not some weird-looking landing gear. Nothing. 
<laughs> and they have looked, they looked actually for, I think for 20, 30 years, people were <laughs> sending crews up there to try and find anything they could. And not one thing was ever recovered. There was no reason to, to, re, to find anything. So that to to believe that anything happened. right, yeah, that that was my next question. I mean, again, it's like a it's become a theme for this episode uh, and the previous episode we did on this topic, right? Where if there is no evidence to support that hypothesis, there is no reason to believe it to be true, right? So if you if you know mm-hmm. you have no information at all, you can say, oh, it could be this or it could be that, right? And if they're both equally likely. Then you could say, sure, those theories, you know, you can, they each deserve the same amount of space. But if one theory is a super exotic explanation, just because there are two theories doesn't mean that they're equally likely. And then, especially as you then try to find evidence to support this more exotic theory and continue to not find anything, I mean, that, that, that explanation just becomes less and less likely. So, got to adjust your priors people your 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 prior assumptions are based on the evidence at hand that's a that's a little bit of a bayesian statistics for you okay <laughs> next one this is a this is a fun one i think oh god i'm worried i think this is a fun one no it shouldn't be actually you really should not be worried <laughs> Because these go to uh, the doomsday dates. <gasps> There's always some large group of people, I mean large, that predict the end of the world. Dun, dun, we dun. Ha- Sorry. Dun, dun, dun. It happens, actually, all the time. Uh, people believed, a large group of people believed that the world, the earth, will go dark. And that means no power and no light from the sun for two solid weeks in 2015. And people braced for this horrible event. Uh, People believed that the world was going to end completely uh, in 2012 Mm -hmm. because the Mayan calendar predicted it. Uh, People believed 2000 was the uh, actual date of the Mayan collapse before that. And also the Y2K thing helped fuel that one. Uh, back in the 90s, there was the Heaven's Gate people who believed that aliens are coming. <clears throat> Give us up all your riches and all your superficial things and put on these Nikes. <laughs> we'll, be fun. We'll, we'll be saved. And it goes back and back and back for centuries. People believing the end of the world is here. And it never happens. Why does this kind of thing happen in society? Where do people get these portents of the future from the stars that we are all doomed? I think I think with things like this, people want to believe it's true. I, I think that a lot of the issues in society with people holding particular beliefs, um, you know, Either they can be beliefs that just simplify things and explain things in a way that makes sense, right? So if there's, you know, some sort of complex global conflict going on and people can just say, oh, 
well, you know, this is the good guy and this is the bad guy. And, you know, just, just kill all the bad guys and, and the good guys win and everyone will be happy. And it's like most, most conflicts throughout history, you know, it's, it's very hard to break things down like that, right? To, to, to kind of simplify everything to a one or a zero, to a good or a bad. And, and I think that people still, despite knowing that, still choose to believe those sorts of things because it, it makes it easier to live with, right? I think similarly with conspiracy theories, if you feel like the world is this terrible place with global conflicts and, you know, things happening with the climate and the political climate, no pun intended, um, to believe that the world is just going to end, I mean, that's like a simple solution, right? It, it, it just kind of makes everything wrapped up in a nice little way. And if people believe that, it it allows them to not worry about the real things, about the serious things that otherwise, you know, the rest of us learn to deal with and the rest of us learn to focus on other things, right? You know, just kind of live each day as it comes and make the most of the wonderful people around us and our friends and our family. And these people, I guess, don't have that, uh, unfortunately. And so they choose to believe in wacky things and they find friends and family and community a sense of belonging with a bunch of nut jobs drinking Kool-Aid and, and wearing <laughs> Nikes and and doing whatever else it is. God, I can go for some Kool-Aid. Sounds good. It was not meant to be the takeaway message. <laughs> anyway, yeah, what Kavi said. <laughs> Please stick with your family and friends and loved ones and stop seeking out wackadoos. <laughs> there you go. Let's do one more. One Gosh, more. One, we one. are two episodes in and I'm only halfway through my list of these things. This is fantastic. Ah, yes. uh, I don't know where to go. Um, all right. NASA physics one. This one's a matter of perspective. Ooh. Yes. Moon. Moon. The moon is the same size as Mars. Or another way to look at it is the moon is the biggest thing in the solar system, as we can clearly see, because it's the biggest thing in the sky. Kavi's head is exploding. I see smoke. I see smoke coming out of his ears. It's that vein again. (sighs) I think that... um... That people underestimate um, how good or how well we can we can know things about distant objects based on some like pretty fundamental and basic laws of physics. You know, like people like to talk about uh, Einstein disproved Newton's theory of gravity, and you know, like you know, Newton destroyed, Newton cancelled. Blah, blah, blah. But the reality is that early science. I mean, listen, there are some cases where earlier science was just flat out wrong. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of early science, um, like, you know, Newtonian uh, gravity and, and, you know, Keplerian motion, that's basically right. It's just more approximate. It's less precise. And, that, and the deeper understanding isn't there. And so my point being that even with these earlier approximations, um, we still can figure out you know the distances of 
all of the objects in the solar system and the masses of the objects in the solar system and how they interact, right? Um, we can do that and we can figure out how big these things are, how far away they are. And, and by doing that, we can very quickly disprove uh, that the moon is the biggest object in the solar system. I mean, like the fact that a solar eclipse even works is only due to the fact that the moon um, is 300, roughly 300 times closer to earth than the sun but it's also roughly 300 times smaller than the sun. If they were at the same distance, the moon would be tiny. So that's, that's that. That's a good one. Let's see. Quick, small one. Let's see. All right. Last one. A small one. See if you can handle this one. There is a hexagon on the North Pole of Saturn. It is massive. And this is a result of advanced alien technology. Okay. So there is often... Um, we talk, we've talked a lot in this episode, the previous episode, about uh, the recognition of shapes, Right. Uh, recognition of shapes and recognition of, of things that are familiar to us. And there are some things that are familiar to us that have uh, certain symmetries or certain perfections, right? And when we see them, we think, oh, that's a symmetry, that's a perfection, and therefore it's something that, you know, it has to be designed in a particular way. Or, or you know, somebody had, like, if you see a perfect circle on the ground, you think, oh, wow, somebody drew that circle. Ignoring the fact that me personally, I, you know, I couldn't draw a perfect circle. <laughs> I'm not, you know, a particularly coordinated artist. But there are a lot of things in nature that happen in symmetric ways, um, and that will cr create symmetric uh, effects, symmetric byproducts. So, like, you know, for example, um, the fact that planets are round you know, is because gravity is a spherical symmetry. It's, it's a force that works, um, you know, in the same way in every direction radially. So um, similarly, the storm, the hexagonal storm, is due to symmetries that exist in that system, um, in the atmosphere. And so I would caution people from freaking out and assuming that anything in space that seems symmetrical uh, must be created by some alien because I mean just you know there are other explanations that are natural and reasonable and this goes back to the theme of the episode right <laughs> right polygons perfect polygons aren't the most common things in nature but they do happen and uh Saturn's just awesome. It's great. I love it. That's a good note to end on. It's great. I like Saturn. Yeah. That's hey, that's where Beetlejuice goes. <gasps> oh no. Just don't say that twice more. I won't. <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Ah! <laughs> uh, take us out, Benjamin. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of 
the nerd and the scientist brought to you by science actually so happy you're here with us for episode one of season two of science of the show starting off 2024 with a science bang that's called chemistry and uh kavi tell us where can people find you they can find me in Sydney, Australia, but if they would prefer to find me on the interwebs, they can find me at Fun Fact Science on all of the places that we spend way too much time, like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, uh, X, uh, Hive or Hives. I can never remember which it is, but either way, probably not great for you. Um, LinkedIn, TikTok, Bumble. Hinge. Am I am I naming am I naming dating apps? I don't know. <laughs> but yes. Tinder. What what about you, Benjamino? Where can the good people find you? <laughs> you can find me under the name of Science Actually, primarily on Facebook, but we're also on Twitter and Hive and Mastodon and Threads and TikTok and LinkedIn. Um just subscribe and follow for your daily dose of science facts some collective nouns and interesting science articles that i cultivate myself because i find them interesting love it and also if you want to buy a t-shirt that sounds great there are many science actually shirts or nerd and the scientist shirts that you can get your greedy little hands on help us out it's my entire collection we love you 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 are you are helping us because you're giving us an excuse to make all of these t-shirts that are the only things that i can wear um and helping us stay on the airwaves and bringing you that good good science week after week week after week Good one again, Kyle. Great one, Benjamin. It. Have a very happy new year to you, to all of your friends and your family and all of the folks listening. Happy new year. Happy new year. We are made of star stuff. Well, you and I are made of star stuff. Kobe and Benjamin, however, are made of tiny sulfur bits that make rotten eggs smell the way they do. Trust me. It's science.